I'm going to start this one, I think, on a somber note. So um, we'd be remiss. I mean, we're, we're diehard fans. And although it wasn't my era of hockey, um, the name Boris Salming is like, iconic doesn't even really do it justice to stories too that we've heard over the last week uh two weeks really ever since his uh his night at the uh i was about to say the acc but it's the scotia bank arena um i i i've really come to even have a further appreciation for how good he was i mean my father's generation always talked about boris salming boris salming which was so e- weird for that generation of guys who came up you know uh, through a and not not that not that he was a Russian, he wasn't, he was a Swede, but, you know, all the Cold War era where people were kind of, and Don Cherry was all anti-Swede and it was kind of anti-foreigner, anti-European hockey player. And to see what he's done for the game and done for uh, for European players has been phenomenal. So we're going to start on that note. We don't want to hang on to it, but uh, but uh, want to, of course, um, pass on our condolences, I guess, uh, to anyone out there uh, affected by or feeling uh, feeling poorly about the passing of Boris Salming. He's a fantastic man. Uh, Patty, you ever get a chance to rub shoulders with Boria? Yeah, I've met him several times, actually. Uh, fortunate to go to some Leaf practices over the years through some through a really good friend that works for the Leaf. So, and you know what? Oftentimes, he was sitting there watching game day practice. Um, I actually had some really good chats with him, some pictures, and trying to find autographs here that I had from him. But always oh, a gentleman, and... I was always mesmerized. Like when he'd shake your hand, it was just like shaking like, like concrete. It was just, he was just such a strong man. And, and the face with the 300 stitches that he had, mm-hmm. um, like I had read there the other day that he had never gotten a fight until he came to the Leafs. And apparently his first fight in the NHL was against Dave to hammer Schultz. So <laughs> well, welcome to the NHL. But like yeah. the guy, I don't know, like, he came over. I don't know. I wouldn't consider him to be a soft player, but from what I heard, again, he wasn't that rough and tumble guy, but that's not the image that you would see now. He was that five tool player. Um, it was, it was 148 goals. He scored in Toronto, which was amazing for defenseman. Um, yeah, I, I've got a, had a few opportunities to meet him. They were always great. And unfortunately he had to go through that horrible, horrible disease, which is, uh, happens all too often, but, yeah, you'll you'll never hear a bad thing about Ori Salming and um I look at Sittler, that was that was pretty rough watching that. And I even saw it today, I forgot they were teammates uh, um in Detroit together. I don't know if they were they both landed in Detroit at one point in time, which was odd to see, but mm-hmm. I don't know if they were actually teammates. So uh yeah, I feel bad for Sittler and even Willie and all the Swedes. I thought it was pretty Amazing that Keith was able to. I didn't realize we had that many Swedes on our team. I guess I did. Yeah. I had to count them up. But the fact that we were able to put six out there for that opening face-off was, was pretty amazing. Yeah, there was a time when we only had Carl Gunnarsson. He was the yes. only Swede. And he used to say, you need a Swede to succeed. Yes. And yes. he is not wrong. Some of the best hockey players on the planet have come out of Sweden. And that uh, that road was paved by Boris Salming. So, again, yeah. our condolences to, to Boris, uh, family, of course, friends, and all that good stuff. Um, but, uh, we'll leave that as it is. Uh, we got a podcast here and we've got a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. So, um, we'll dive into, of course, uh, our last podcast, the Leafs just finished the California trip. So we'll leave that alone. Uh, we're in a much different spot now. We're going to talk about the highs, uh, what we can expect going forward. And, uh, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll hit Patty up for some, uh, some kind of, uh, perspective on, on 
I love Patty's perspective on on where we still need to improve. So let's uh, let's get this going. Uh, big shout out, of course, to the Delaney Hockey Program, our sponsor for season three. Um, DHP again. If you're looking for those guys, www.delaneyhockey.ca. Um, you'll get all their upcoming events, um, different camps, schools, uh, and some promotional stuff. Uh, they're now sponsored by True Sports, uh, or True Hockey, I should say, True Temper Sports. Um, and of course, we're going to talk about one true athlete uh, at this podcast. I'm sure it's impossible not to talk about him. We're going to hit on Mitch Marner during this one as well. So lots to, lots to chat about. I uh, hope you guys stick around till the end. It's going to be a great one. So uh, titter-tatter, let's get at her. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of the Deke Snipes LA Podcast. It's uh, Season 3, Episode 3. Ooh, 33. Do we have any noteworthy 33s in the history? You're, you're my numbers guy. Um, Daniel Marawa, he was 32, I'm pretty sure. I can't think of he was 32. Drake Berhowski? <laughs> now, you're going, now you're digging deep. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Funny story. I was talking to him not so long ago. Anyway, that's a whole. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah not, that's that's a whole another conversation same, for another time. Same rookie card, Young Guns card, same year as Yager, John Slaney, John Slaney. That same group. Man, that'd be a great, a great guest too if we were ever nailed on Slaney. He's he's he was coaching in the AHL. Oh, he'd be phenomenal. Yeah, he'd be a great guest. Maybe we should look at that. Yeah, hey, John Slaney, if you're watching the podcast. <laughs> Feel free to uh, look us up. Now, John Slaney, for anybody who doesn't recognize the name, um, he's a native son of Newfoundland and Labrador, like myself and Patty, and our other two hosts, which are absent tonight. But uh, Slaney scored a big goal in the World Juniors and uh, uh, kind of put Newfoundland hockey on the map at a time when uh, there wasn't a big lot going on here. So, yeah, he's a he's a bit of a bit of a, a local celeb, I guess, or yeah, I guess more of a legend now, their folklore kind of thing. Like I think a lot of the younger kids wouldn't even know who he is. You know, kind well, of you know off. what? He's T.J. Brennan of the of Newfoundland because he was like T.J. Brennan. He was probably too good for the AHL. Yeah. Could never get that shot in the NHL. Yeah, uh, Skaney, sure. Is he still the top point getter among defensemen in the AHL? I think he is. It's possible. I'm pretty sure he is. I think he broke that record. Like which. He's, he had he, so many years, and there probably never will be broken. I think he was that's drafted correct. by Washington, right? Yeah, spent some time in Phoenix, Pittsburgh's organization. Hmm. Uh, just never got that call up. And he probably, like Washington were good back in the day. So were Pittsburgh, hmm. uh, not so much Arizona, but just never, could never finish it to get that, get that shot. Nope, that's just unfortunate. We've had a lot of great players from the island kind of slip into that uh that spot and that that moment in time, uh, the, the the one that always sticks it to me is, and he's a recent guy, is Colin Greening, right? And Greening had a decent NHL career. I mean, he put together a lot of games. I I wouldn't even call him a, a guy who didn't make it, but I always I always felt like Colin could in the right place. I just don't think he was in the right place. I mean, he played with a really bad Leafs team. Yeah. Um, he played. He came off of you know he started playing with a with a what I would consider a good Sens team. He was on top line with Spezza for a while. He was, and, yeah. He and he produced. Well. He, he had a really good season there at one point. Um, but I think in a different setting, at a different time, 
uh, I think Green, Greening would have been uh, would have been a really really solid uh, top six NHL yeah. forward for a long time. But anyway, uh, we're not here to talk about uh, uh, about the local greats. We're here to talk about tonight. Talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is episode three. Uh, episode one we started off was just after the California road trip. So what a time to record your first podcast of the year. And when uh, the sky was falling in all in, in all shapes and facets, it was probably one of the darker times for me as a fan. I mean, I was really not feeling it. Like, I mean, in a, I was really, really starting to question what was going on here. I've, I'm, I'm always pretty even keel with it all, but that was that was bad. And I really didn't think they were going to come out of it. But that yeah, following I, week, they they had a you know a win and loss, a win, and then suddenly the wins became more predominant than the losses. And the only gripe I think anyone's got, and it's a pretty weak one right now, is that oh well they can't finish in overtime. Well, I can live with that for now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Three on three, they don't play any of it in the playoffs. Um, it's kind of a it's kind of more for entertainment value than it is an actual demonstration of what kind of team you have. Would I like for them to win a couple? Yeah, should they? Hundred percent on paper, they should. They, there should be no overtime losses unless they're playing Edmonton, but um, but they're not doing it anyway. That's neither here nor there. I'm that that that's like the furthest thing from a concern to me. But uh, for you, man, what 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 do you think? What do you think spurred on the turnaround? Was it was it was it the depths of despair that they were into, or or or, or what? What do you think? You know what? I was in the same mindset as you because uh, let's call it the Matthews era. It was it was a pretty dark start. Like I can't recall too many periods other than when Babcock got fired, where things weren't going great. Um, but the, the guys were still young then, but now they're a little bit more mature. I thought I, I wasn't sure we're getting out of this, and I can remember a game. It was the Philadelphia game on a Wednesday night where if Toronto don't win that game, I, I was quite confident Keith was gone the next game hmm. uh, or gone that night. So. Um, and you know what? There was nothing really working with that team. I didn't see any type of – it wasn't like they were getting bad puck luck. Uh, they just weren't playing good at all. And the only thing that was really going for them was goaltending. It's not like we were getting – but the rest of the players, no one else showed up. Um, William, Johnny T early on. But um, so the fact that they came out of this and they've got one, one regulation loss in November is quite amazing. Um, I don't I – don't, I can't pinpoint one thing. Uh, maybe it was changing up the lines, Mariner with Nylander, switching them around. Um, I just think it was it just started, started to click. And it's not like they uh, – I think the one big thing actually now that I think of it, that back-to-back wins in Boston and Carolina, that was that was massive. Yeah. Uh, was that before the West Coast Series or after? That was after, wasn't it? Was it after. was after. Yeah, like that, that's huge. Like you're beating serious themes there. Um but like the boys started to click, and I wouldn't even say Matthews is in his zone yet. Like he'll get there. There's one guy I'm definitely not worried about is is Austin Matthews. But um, it's funny how things go because the one worry that we had coming into the season was gold ending, and really, like all three have been very good. Uh, well, and it, much- it goes to show in 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 my like sitting back and look at and looking at all this objectively. It shows me just how little the fan base and the media knows about this actual team. Yeah. Because you're right. All the talk, all the talk was how how atrociously bad the Toronto Maple Leafs were going to be either A, in, in their own end defensively, but more predominantly, all the talk was goaltending. Oh, you know, they should never let Jack Campbell go. Oh, they, they went and replaced him with an injury-prone Matt Murray and an unproven uh, Samsonov. All these different things, and, and I mean, it's just... It, 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 when Matt Murray is in the crease, 
I'm, I remember one podcast last year it was you actually said it. You, you said uh, something to the effect of when, when, when Campbell's in the net, I, I feel 100% confident in that guy. It was at that time right before the All-Star game when he was just rolling, right? Like, I mean, he was just like, like he was almost unbeatable unless it was just something ridiculous like Matt Murray is letting in, like just fluky goals, weird bounces, that kind of stuff. Tips, that's about it. But, um, but yeah, like I said, uh, I, I remember you saying that about Campbell and I was thinking about it the other day and I was thinking, man, I feel exactly the same way about Matt Murray. Like, like he, he's just, he's so steady. Like, like you, you don't think he's going in. Well, so many times as a Leafs fan, you, you hear the old adage, uh, he wishes he had that one back, right? How many times have you heard him say that about Matt Murray? He doesn't right. because he don't let those in. Like if, nope. if, it's, if it's a clean shot and he got to look at it, he's going to stop it. And, and I don't know. It. And I don't know why we're surprised about that. I mean, on a good team, he's a very good goalie. On a yep. bad team, most people are bad goalies. I mean, there's, there's, only, there's, there's only one Carey Price in the world, Right. He was on a bad team, and he carried him right to the Cup final. to To have to have the goaltending that we've gotten, and, and I mean, really, and no, no real kinks in the armor, really. I mean, even our third string, like, and trust me, I haven't had a problem with Eric Shalgren since he was called up no. last year. I mean, the games that Shalgren lost last year were not his fault. The games when we lost when he was in it was because either a our forwards didn't produce, or or B, the defenseman completely hung him out to draw. Like it was not it was yeah. one of those situations where he was facing two on ones. I remember it was the game last year. We we, we gave up like six breakaways in the same game, and Sean was in it. Like and he and he actually shut the door on most of them. He let in a couple of goals, but like it, it was they lost, but they could have atrociously lost. Right? Um, scouting reports on the kid were always good. He was you know like a, a bit of a mystery uh, of a of a Swedish goaltender who was coming into the league, and you knew, no one really knew what was coming. But man, I think. I really think the kid's an NHL goalie now today as we speak. I think if he was traded, he'd be a backup in another city and a good one. Yeah. Um, so to have that kind of depth in goal, certainly, you know, nearing the end of the season, you know, later on when, you know, the injury bug may come back around and may strike him or her hopefully not, but it's, it's completely plausible, probably probable given yeah. histories. Um, having a young kid who's not – prone to injury and plays incredibly well, I think is going to be a real boost to, to the team. So again, goaltending, I, I can't say enough good about it. I mean, we could spend the whole, the whole length of this podcast talking about the steadiness of Matt Murray and, and how much better he's playing this year than Jack Campbell. And I don't, I hate doing that. I, I, I don't even like when people do that. They, they start saying, Oh, well, Campbell's having a bad, bad run, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, he is. But, but I only do that for the fan base, you know, like, yeah, everybody was so sour on Dubas going after Murray and letting Campbell go. But we, as soon as I hit, I heard the Campbell one of five years versus Murray only having two years. Then the, the, the debate was over. Murray's two years younger as well. What I find funny with the whole Murray debate was, and I really didn't have an opinion on it one way or the other because I have Dubas is the expert. I'm not like how the average fan would think that he's going to go out there and make a move that's not that he don't think is in the best interest of the team is beyond me. That's kind of how I think about these things, but to have the argument that he's not a good goalie because he played for the Ottawa senators, um, like really, really not a good measuring stick uh, playing goal for that team. And then they just toss away the, the two cups that he's won. Like, I I don't know. I, I think it was unfair. And to get Samsonov on a, wasn't his contract for like 1.5 million or in the two or something. The catch with like, his contract is not even the value. The catch with his contract is he's an RFA at the end of it. 
Like they didn't yeah. qualify him in Washington, which blows right. my mind. I, I don't even like how deep. I don't even. I can't even name the two goalies who are in, who are in Washington. Like how 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 good are they that that guy doesn't even get a qualifying offer? And Vanacek didn't either. Vanacek is the goalie, the best goalie in the league right now in New Jersey. I, I don't get it. I mean, I, I'm I've always been one of these guys who uh, who kind of. I don't, I don't understand goalies. Goalies are strange. They're weird. They're, they're not your typical athletes. They're not your typical hockey players. Um, and you can you can kick a guy around from team to team to team, fan base to fan base to fan base. But when he hooks, when a guy hooks in the right place with the right group of people, and I think the right coaching staff, I think I think goalie coaches are probably the most underrated people uh, involved in any franchise. I really do. I don't know a lot of goalie coaches. I only know one. Uh, but... I really think keeping those guys head in the game on a daily basis is the most fundamentally important part of, of any team. Confidence um, is huge too. Oh my God. So, so I mean, all, all the performance coaching and stuff that they do with these guys, I mean, they're, 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 my, like I got two kids there now in hockey and I'm praying neither one of them are a goalie praying. Yeah. They're kind of half showing interest. I'm like, no, no, you don't want to do that because like, one, I don't want stress. Two, I don't want to put, I don't want to put them through stress. Like, you got to be a, a, a certain kind of person. A weird person too to be a goaltender. No offense to all the goalies out there, but man, you're a unique bunch. I got to tell you. But how good is the least defense as well? Like they're top top five in in defense this year. So if 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 I go back and look at previous seasons, or back to the to the uh, off season, goaltending was our worst. Then it was defense was our worst, and offense was the thing that was going to guide us. Well, hasn't that shifted around? Where goaltending and defense have been so good, uh, even with three big defensemen down, the boys are still doing it. So I like, <clears throat> I don't know with the sky falling thing. I thought it was as well, but to come back and have one regulation loss in November and what are they fourth place now or fifth by points percentage? Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't realistically think it was going to happen. And again, you don't have Matthews going at his full tear pace either. It's funny uh, how we're saying that, and that, and it is true because the guy who put up sixty last year, which yeah, which you know hasn't happened in what when was Stamkos did twelve years ago, something stupid yeah. like that. Like I mean, it's yeah. not this is not an everyday occurrence in a league where you got you know four hundred of the best hockey players on the planet all in one league, and a player hits sixty uh, once a decade. So like we're saying, Matthews is not at his normal clip, which is true. However, he still has exactly as many points as. Arguably, our best Maple Leaf, which is John Tavares, have exactly the same number. They got twenty-five points. Or, yeah, they're, at, they're, at, they're at a point per game. Expectations is is a hard thing. You know what I mean? Like it really is because here, like I said, here's Matthews. He's on pace for possibly a career year in points. But all yeah. we worry about is the goal scoring. Now I could care less if he scores another one. I I legitimately, if Matthews finished the year with twelve goals, no, 12, 13, 11. He's at eleven now, I think. Yeah. If he finished the year with 11 goals and we end up in a playoff spot, I do not care. If he got 100 yeah, no, points and 11 goals. Well, you know what? Like If that means, because the biggest surprise for me this year, let's forget about the goal ending, the fact that Johnny T, Johnny T is back. Like, I I think... I, I don't know if he's I back. I would say the most improved player, but like, yeah. like he's, back. He's, back to a, he's back to a point. Yeah, he deserved his money last year. Yeah. He did have 80 points or something. But to, like this year... He's at, an, he's, he's at another level, is what it is. He's like, a different man again. I, I don't even like saying he's back because I think he's playing, and, and all, all the analytics guys will tell you that he's playing at as good of a clip or better than he did in his prime in yeah. New York. Well, his points points per game prove that he's been better in Toronto. So it's. But, I just, I, 
you, you you watch the games too, and you just watch his his he's he's playing with a different level. Like John was always uh, I I, I love John Tavares before he was a Leaf. I always said you know if there's one guy I could get, if there's one guy you know, was always, every year it was the oh, Rick Nash is coming to Toronto, Steven Stamkos is coming to Toronto, you know all these guys Drew Doughty is coming to Toronto. Like it was always somebody, and I was always saying no no the guy we want. John Tavares. If John Tavares was ever to become a Maple Leaf, that would that would bring us a cup. That was my theory. That was even before the Matthews era. I was like, this guy needs to be a Maple Leaf someday. And uh, I was always a huge fan because I really liked. I've always liked those kind of uh, the Patrice Bergeron way. You know, like the yeah, yeah, not 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 a big no nonsense, quiet quiet leader, but gets it yeah. done. You know, fills the awards cabinet. All that you know checks all the boxes. Um, and I think I think John is a really good role model for kids as well. Like not to say that the, the, the young guy, the young guys aren't, but John's got his his professional crew together, right? He's he's a pro. Yeah. So like it was never an issue for me, but to see him now the way he's playing now compared to even his er- earlier years as a Leaf, he's just he's sacrificing everything. Like every shift, like he's taking hits to make plays when they're up by three. You know, like he's not shying away from anything, which kind of stresses me out a tad sometimes. I'm like. I want to lay off there, John. We're, we're, we're sitting pretty here four to one, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You don't need to be putting yourself in a vulnerable spot because we don't need that. But like he like there is there's no shutting it off for him. Like there's just he he's decided now that this is the time. He sees the window. He understands the, the, the logistics of all this. He knows he's a couple of years away from taking Giordano contracts. And yeah. now's the time to get this done. Um because that's 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 the, the scary reality is that you're not going to be able. I shouldn't say you're not going to be able to. You're going to have to be very creative to keep the four of those players on this team. Very very creative because William Elander is probably the best bang for the buck in the league right now when it comes to top six. Oh no, no doubt, no doubt. Like and he's been flying since day one of this season. Um, and we haven't even talked about Mitch Marner. Like, how crazy it's, is that? The man is about to the the tie a record for points per points in a stretch. Um, like what that guy does everything. Like he's, I saw him the other night blocking shots. He, we all know he plays even strength power play PK. Uh, he's played defensive points this year, so it's. I don't know. You asked a question in the chat the other day between four of us. Uh, who would you, who would you want to keep? I, I, I still got Matthews or Marner. I'm still with Matthews, but I'm much happier yeah. when both of them are on the same team. Let's talk about that because I, I find that fun because this, this, this makes this is like cursing to Leafs fans, right? Yeah. Um, the question I pose, because I always do this, because I love, I love, I love gaining, gauging reactions. Certainly when we're when when we're flying high, and we've been flying about as high lately as you can get. Um, I posed the question in our group chat between myself and my three compadres here. Um, if you if if it came down to it, and you could only keep one, Matthews or Mariner, who would you keep, and why? And <clears throat> Patty let off. Patty couldn't 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 help. He's like he's like I, I, I immediately sees. Patty Phillips is typing, right? And then the door was a pause where, where he wasn't typing. He was typing some more and it was a pause. And so like, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm really screwing up Patty's Friday night here, right? But anyway, Patty comes back and he says, yeah, no, he said, I got to go with Matthews, blah, blah, blah. Go ahead with your reasoning. I just think Matthews is the ultimate star pro, that big center that every single th- team looks for, looks for. Um, I think he compares most to Mario. I don't. I can't recall another player with that size and hands since Mario. I know Lindros was there, but he was a little bit more stiff. You know what I mean? Not, not the same caliber, but yeah. um, I think if you want to build a team around someone, and you have the choice of a big number one center who can score, who can do it all, plays a two hundred foot game, 
you got to go with the big center because every other team is looking for one. Nothing against Mitch Marner. Doesn't help that I have met Matthew Skates here and I have an investment into his game use gear. <laughs> so trying to appreciate the value of uh, of his gear, but to me is actually a no brainer. I don't care what Marner does this year. Love the guy, but um, just he's the guy you'd want to build your team around. For me, I chose I chose Mitch Marner, and I'll explain it, and then I'll I'll give you some more food for thought. So. My thought process is is a very simple one. Mitch Marner, to me, he's going to get his points regardless. And when I say regardless, I mean regardless of who he's playing with, what team he's playing on. If 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 they traded Mitch tomorrow to Arizona, right, he would be their top line right winger, hundred yeah. percent. He'd still play all the roles he's playing in Toronto, and he'd still get his points. The team would be atrocious. And they'd have an amazing number one line, but they'd lose a lot of games, six to four, six to five. But Mariner would still get his points. Uh, he's proven that over the course of, I'll see him in seven seasons, six seasons. Um, he spent a large portion of the early Babcock years, not with, not with Matthews at all, except for on the power play where Matthews didn't really score. Yeah. Matthews was prominently a five on five player in his earlier years, which is kind of, flip this year anyway that's a whole nother topic um and, and mitch still led the team in assists fast forward to uh later into the john Tavares years um again john Tavares comes to the team who on any other team in the league is your number one center and mariner's still getting his points right fast forward babcock's gone we have this epiphany where let's skate these two guys who love each other together and see what happens uh, Matthews wins the Rocket Richard two years running, much to the chagrin of Mitch Marner. You know, yep. he loved it. He, yep. he liked it more than if he would have won it. Um, so, I, I honestly think if you skated Marner on the third line in Toronto, the team oh, would actually good. score more goals. I'm not even kidding. Like, if you were if you were to slide up, I don't know whoever Nick Robertson. If Nick Robertson was was John Tavares's regular winger. That was your that, and and some other Joe Blow on the other on the other wing. Don't care who it is. Tavares is still going to get his points. Yeah. Matthews and Nylander, dynamite. They're they're like what Willie brings to the table in puck control and and controlling the flow of the game and and giving Matthews that bit of space when there is no space to be got blows my mind. They're 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 a perfect combination. Leave that alone. If you were to slide Marner to the third line with anybody, the the, the, the rookie, like I yeah. I honestly think that line opened up couple of goals a game because oh, because that's the kind of player he is and, and and to me when you've got a player like that 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 to me is both a generational talent and one that I don't think is replaceable at all I, I, I there's a lot of centers there's a lot of number one centers in the league who can't produce at the clip that Mitch Marner does as a winger so that was my argument for it and I think a strong one at that uh, however you can't go wrong choosing the Hart Trophy winner either my last argument to the Hart Trophy winner is, does he win a Hart Trophy without Mitch Marner? Well, I don't know. Like the guy, well, that's the that's a hundred year d- debate. Like he can't score if nobody passes him the puck. But well, the the opposite is true as well. If the guy can't hit <laughs> hit the broadside of a burn, it doesn't matter how good the pass is. So yeah. it's put it this way: we're very fortunate to have both of them. Um, and that was that was going to be my last point: is that if this is even up for, if this is even a thought process where 
where if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast, you're like, this guy doesn't have any clue what he's talking about. He's an idiot. I'm turning this off right now. Then yes, this discussion is not for you. But if at any point during this conversation, you said, you know what? There might be something to this. If you thought that yeah. for even remotely a second, that means the Toronto Maple Leafs are in an incredibly good spot because you're questioning whether the the, the second line winger is as good of a player for your team as the guy who just won the MVP for the league. Yeah. Right. So again, I don't want to go off on a big Mariners, you know, top three in the league, top five, top 10 in the league. I don't want to even get into that debate. Cause again, this is, this is as broad as the day is long and it's the hundred year debate. Like you said, but I know where he sits in the grand scheme of things on this team. And it's, it's one or two for me. Oh, no, no doubt about it. You, you know, what drives me crazy because he'll enter the, if he keeps on going out with this streak, it's going to end eventually, but then he'll just pick it up again. <laughs> just start another one. Yeah. He'll just start it again. He's just so good. Like he don't take, he don't have odd nights. He does something special every night. The one debate is that he, he's going to st- start getting serious heart trophy consideration. Um, and I always hate the argument that it's McDavid's the lose right now, even this year after not winning it last year. Until that team, Edmonton, are more competitive than they have been, then because I hate the I hate the discussion or the comeback is, well, where would Edmonton be without McDavid? Well, that's the case for a lot of teams which are stars, but he hasn't really taken them too far yet. I know he had a bit of a yeah, neither, playoff success last year with nothing of significance. So neither of the leagues, um, though. I mean, I, I I get what you're saying, but at the same time, I disagree wholeheartedly because of the fact that I do agree with the whole where would they be without McDavid? Without McDavid, without Connor McDavid, even if they had Leon Dreisaitl, which they do, and no McDavid, that team doesn't make the playoffs. They're in a lottery spot. I like they're 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 in like a high end, you know, one two three. I'm I'm telling you that team. Yeah. That team is is McDavid centric all day long. No matter who they got there, they've built some good. They've they've made some real smart moves around them. You know that Evander Kane trade or signing, being as contentious as it was, was the right move for the franchise, no question. And the stink blew off of it pretty quick when Kane started producing. So, um, it's it's a hard debate. Like uh, the whole Hart Trophy definition by itself, I think is flawed because. Yeah, give them the Art Ross every year, let them win the scoring title. But I think you've got to have some team success. Now, the first thing folks will say, Toronto hasn't had much success, but they have in the regular season. Uh, Edmonton has had some some battles in the regular season, but like, you can go down to every team. If Barkov is not on if Florida don't have Barkov, yep. do they make the playoffs? If Pittsburgh don't have Crosby, do they make the playoffs? I, I don't know. What I do think with Marner, he'll – probably win the Selkie before the hurt. I think if he continues doing what he's doing this year. I'm surprised he didn't get, get a, a much stronger look last year. I thought defensively yeah. last year he was phenomenal. And he, he'll Beauty, go to Marner a different level too. Marner takes all penalties. He's playing yeah. in every situation. And very seldom does he find himself at a position and or poking in around the gloves that all stuff that that's, that's where all the penalties. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know. I'd love to, I should look it up sometime. What percentage of penalties called in the NHL are hooking penalties, but it's got to be, it's got to be a majority. I mean, at least in the yeah. games I watch. Well, right. All, in the gloves, is, all that stuff. Yeah. So silly. And then when but, I say, when I say hooking, I mean, hooking slashing because yeah. to me, what you call one could easily be the others in, in a lot of cases, but uh, basically sticking fractions, it's got to be, got to be high up there. So 
No, I, again, I, I love the, the Mariner conversation because he has, he's had, he hasn't had it easy in Toronto. No, nope. any stretch to media in the off season. Well, they, they, they were, they were pushing the narrative that, you know, this guy's got to go, you know, he's, he, he had a bad playoff series there a couple of years ago where he made some bad mistakes and, and, uh, cost him some games in a, in a way, shape or form. But my argument is they wouldn't have been there to begin with without him. So, well, and if you, if you have the four contracts, if the only one that, that's really Matthews is not going nowhere, Nylander's contract is too good. Tavares is maybe too rich for anybody else. There's no trade as well. Mariner, Mariner is got a, I still think a great contract. I'm still a very young age. I, I think it's not easy for another team to fit that contract in, but I don't think we'll have to have that worry. I think he'll be a leaf for a long while. And you, you trade a player like Mariner. I've always said it. You, same thing with Nylander. You trade a player like Nylander, you've got to go find another one. And you no, don't want to draft them generally. And I don't want the Hall Larison trade ever happening in Toronto. One of the worst trades in NHL history. No, Joe Thornton trade, same thing. Yeah. Um, so here's here's where I want to land this because we talked, well, let's tie it all together now and put a nice pretty bow on it. We talked about the defense and how we've all been shocked to shit to have. If you would have told me that Jake Muzzin, TJ Brody, and Morgan Riley were going to go down and we were going to go on a winning streak, I would have said, get your head checked. You go, I don't know anything about hockey or this team. Are you out of your mind? This team never fails to surprise me for the good or the bad. Okay? Yeah. Uh, when they're bad, I'm shocked. Like, I mean, I'm shocked at the level of bad they are. Like, to lose in that California series shocked me. To win in games that they're playing currently, I'm shocked. Right? So it begs the question, Okay, so everyone says, well, it's going to be really hard for them to keep all the top four. Not going to be hard at all if you got a cheap defense, right? Right. Because right now, sitting is over $20 million in salary, and they're still winning. Yeah. And not only are they still winning, they're not winning by outscoring the opponents five to four, six to five, seven to four. They're, out, they're, they're, winning, by, they're, they're winning by only letting in one goal. Yeah. Defensively, they've been incredibly strong on the backs of Mark Giordano, who was one of the best five-on-five defensemen in the league this year. Five goals against, even strength. The best, of any, the best of any defenseman who's played over 200 minutes in the NHL this year, Mark Giordano at, 100, uh, at 800 grand a year. So, yeah, Mark Giordano leading the charge at 39 years old, playing north of 20, anywhere between 20 and 25 minutes a game right now. Justin Hall, who I still think we should get rid of him, but has since he's been playing with Giordano, has looked incredibly efficient. Yeah. Um, two youngsters as your middle pair, which I have no issue with either anyway. I think Timothy Lilligren is one of the most underrated players on the team. Uh, I'm actually starting to wonder if he's not a better defenseman than Rasmus Sandin, which... Oh, I, I, I th- he's he's climbed him in, a, in the depth charts, I think. He's, like, he's in the shocked. conversation. Yeah. I'm totally shocked. I didn't think, to be quite honest with you, I didn't think Lilligren was in the, tr- the least plans going back to last season before he got called up. I thought I, he was I, traded for yeah. sure as part of some deal he's been come he's become indispensable for me terrific value and and that's not that's no knock on sandine sandine i think nope. is, is he's he's an up-and-comer he's a little bit younger uh than, than Lilligren, and uh all he needs is the opportunity and he's got that right now and lately he's had his gaffes during the year some of them ended up in the back of net some of them didn't luckily uh which is to be expected with young defensemen but i mean you know he's one of those guys who when he was in the World Juniors, one defenseman at a tournament. You go back and look at that list from year to year to year. It's filled, filled with guys who are now making $10, 12000000 dollars yeah. a year. They drew that right back to Chris Pronger's of the world. 
the uh, Eric Carlson's, all these guys were at that caliber when they were young, and they just continued on with it. And the amount of guys who won that trophy or won that 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 award that didn't pan out is a lot less than the guys who did. So yeah, um, he'll be fine. I'm not one that worry about that. And then you drop down to our bottom pair, which you would think would be where we'd be really struggling now because we we talk about our top three guys being out. We're not mentioning Jordy Ben either, who's been very effective again yeah. to to my shock and awe has looked great um he's out as well and now we're, we're we're filling that spot with victor mete who i thought was a great pickup to begin with i mean i thought he was a good young player when he was in montreal originally um and some sort of a combination of mac hollowell who by the way is one of my guys anybody who watches the podcast here's about my guys all the time i choose guys every so often that i follow uh mac hollowell uh was one of those guys i was like yeah no, this guy right-handed shot a uh, good young player came out of a good team in junior. Can you guess what junior team he played for? Anyone? Anyone? No? Sue Saint well, right hands. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Played with Sandine, didn't he? Same pairing. That could be. That I don't know. No, no. Or was that Timmons? Who's someone had the same pairing as Sandine? Well, Timmons is, is from the Sioux. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, sorry, it was Timmons and Sandine. So they were the same pairing. Right now, Mac Hollowell, who again I don't think has looked at a place at all. They keep saying too on the broadcast, which is 100 percent true. When you're not hearing a guy's name as a defenseman, yeah, something's going right. Especially and your first three or four games. He's a rookie. Um, Bert, little birdie told me someone on the know that him that Hollowell and Matthews are tight. That they that they they formed a bit of a bond two years ago, training camp type stuff. Just similar personalities, like the same things. You know, uh, obviously Hollowell wasn't there. Uh, well, they stayed together during the uh, was was uh, Matthews, Joe, Hollowell. Yes, that's true too. During uh, Sandine and there's someone else during COVID. Yeah, yeah, and apparently, so I'm, I'm listening to uh, Matthews' interview last night after the game, and he's talking about Hollowell getting his first point, and he talked about in the first few days living in the house together, five of them. I can't think of the fifth person now. Think of it in a second. Um, he said Hollowell didn't speak. But he said, he said Jumbo pretty much got him out of his shell and then he didn't shut up, essentially. Yeah. But yeah, now they love the guy. No, I've uh, I've been following him followed, after he was drafted, followed his last year junior. Followed him up through now with the Marlies and whatnot. And uh, I think I think he's a serviceable, he's a better version, I think, of Travis Dermott is basically how yeah. I put it. And I didn't think Dermott was necessarily a bad defenseman. Kind of haven't heard much about him since. No. But uh, but I think he's a better version of the same and, and a right shot to boot. Um, which leads us to the conversation is if we're getting it done now, then do we continue to load up on forwards? Because that's been the knock on, on Dewis. He's Everyone keeps saying he's putting too much money into the forwards, too much money into the forwards. Um, given the opportunity, do you save a contract like Willie's? Do you pay him his $10 million, $11 million, whatever it is he's going to be worth? Because he's worth it. He's gonna, probably going to score 40 goals this year. How many other players in the league are going to do that? Yeah, um, probably three on his own team, <laughs> but <laughs> which is wild. Even I can't even. I mean, uh, where they're sitting right now, you look at the top top twenty in league scoring, and to see four Toronto Maple Leafs firm, and I mean not like ready to follow, firmly placed in the top twenty. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's like yeah. four guys on pace for hundred points, three on pace for forty goals. I just, I'm just. Anyway. I'm uh, I'm gushing now over the Leafs and, and where the lies sit. the problem. Yes. Are we ready to go to the problem? Go to the problem. So anybody who's a diehard dies blue, you probably want to end watching this now. But I don't. I'm not going to shit on the Leafs by no means. But 
their their biggest problem is, is is exactly that they have nobody else scoring. And when was the last player that came up from the AHL that actually contributed from the Marlies on a regular basis? I cannot remember one. No, the, my 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 issue my issue with the bottom six is they've constructed a team where the bottom six is not is not constructed to score. Yeah. If that makes sense to you, they're so they're so focused in on having a defensive shutdown line and having a uh, a, a minute eating group on the fort line who can go out there and just spend a majority of time in the offensive end, really doing nothing but just making life a little miserable. Yeah, they spent so much emphasis on forming roles on a team that they haven't put together a, a line which is even designed to score in the bottom six, and that's my issue because. So strong as a finish that, that that Pierre Engvall had to the season last year. When you look at that 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 third line of Engvall, Kampf, and Holmberg, Holmberg's a shining star, mind you. I yeah. I just I did not see that coming. But anyway, he's he's played. I mean, like in sample size being what it is, it's incredibly small. But I mean, over over the three or four games he's played, he's looked great. Like he he hasn't he's popped in a couple. Um, he's had a couple, several high danger chances, which I'm not used to seeing on the third line, like where he just ripped yeah. one high corner wide, just, you know, inches, this kind of stuff. But Keith um, said he, he hasn't seen one mistake. He's looked through the video. Yeah. Seen that, he, seen that quote. Pretty, you know what? That's, that's not an easy comment to make because you don't well, want to. Keith wouldn't make that comment on either. Yeah. No, that's not a, that's not a Keith like comment either. Usually no. Keith, Keith is glass half empty kind of guy. Yeah. So, so, so like I, like Kerfoot is in my eyes doesn't do anything out there. Engvall, same thing. I don't know if anybody else on that team, other than if, if Robertson ever gets some playing time, who has the capability to replace the scoring of Mikheyev, and then you throw in Spets's num- uh, numbers from last year. So mm-hmm. everybody talks about all oh, the Leafs, Leafs defense is the problem. But you know what? Leafs didn't lose in the first round of the playoffs the last four or five years because of their defense. It's the scoring. The scoring really didn't show up outside of the when the top four got shut down, there was nothing left. There was no one else to, to pinch in with a goal. So it now, come trade deadline, you're going to see a, a boatload of names like Patrick Kane and all these names, which I think Dubas will go all in. And if there's one area, yeah. yeah, he's not he's not touching goaltending. Um, he probably will update upgrade on defense if he can. Like a Chitron trade still makes. Since I don't understand I, I why think. that hasn't happened yet, other than that the, the cost is too high. Like he right now, especially, and I guess, I guess it's one of those situations too now where where if you're the GM of Arizona and talk, Kyle Dubas's phone rings, you're 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 handing them an anchor instead of a lifesaver. You're like, you yeah. need this. Here you go. But here's what but, I want. But you, you know, know what Chitron does that that our team doesn't do, and I didn't realize it because I just picked him up in my fantasy pool. He had eight shots on his in his second game back from injury. Eight shots on that. We don't have a team that shoots the puck. So, mm-hmm. like, I, I think he can add in both pieces. But if I'm, if, if it's the trade deadline today, I'm looking to upgrade. And whether that's Patrick Kane and you and you slide someone else down, like Bunting really hasn't been producing at the level that he did last year. Look good um, recently, though. Like that, 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 that goal that Ray worked yeah. there last night. I mean, just a thing of beauty to see that kind of yeah. effort. He beat three guys. To spring yeah, Matthews, right? In the slot. And, and uh, yeah. Like Matthews didn't even turn to go and try like like Bunting is lying on the ice and there's three three players standing around him. 
Matthews didn't even go to try to recover the puck. Matthews went skated to the slot, completely expecting Bunting to win that battle on his back. Uh, that's what amazed me. I was like, this is just this is just so poetic for for this team to be playing this well. And I think you're right. I think come the deadline, um, that's going to happen. The proof to my point that they've that they're constructing a team not designed to score in the bottom six is this: when um, when when the season started, they had a thirty something year old Jason Spezza who still wanted to play NHL hockey on this team for a chance yeah. to win a cup. He very much still wanted to play, and the team said, "No, Jason, this is not this is not." what we want for you. We're going to go with a signing an Obey Kubel and putting Zach Aston Reese on a PTO. Okay. Yeah. Now there's nobody, there's not one hockey fan in the world. If they, if they, if they didn't, if they, even if you couldn't even name all the cities, you know, you've only heard of a few players. If I put those three names in front of you and say, which one of those guys is going to score more goals, irrelative of who his wingers are, yeah. you'd pick Jason Spezza, right? Yeah. So clearly, Clearly, that wasn't a concern in, in when they have all these year-end meetings and all this planning meetings and general management and da 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 Clearly, scoring in the bottom six was not where they identified as something that they needed to target. They needed to target ways to shut down the other team's scoring. So I, I'm, I'm the same as you. I, I find it to be a bit, a bit concerning because I find that our, our bottom six tends to get outplayed a lot of times. Yeah. That being said... Our top six right now, there's not a lot of teams that can skate a top six to match they what the Leafs got. Dominate. Top line, yes. There's lots of top lines at that McDavid line all day long. Colorado, there's lots of top lines that can match the Leafs. Top six, a second line that can keep up with what we got on the go there at Marner and Tavares. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. But if, like, my thing is, if you're getting contributions at the very least from Kerfoot and Engvall, yeah. they're considered to be scorers. Not at not at a large degree, but they're offensive players first. I would think. Maybe I'm wrong on Kerf, but maybe maybe he's a defensive player that we all want him to be more offensive because of his speed. If we had that, but it's really nothing past those that top four. Like no one has shown a glimpse that they're ready to to bust out. And how many experiments have they, have they had on their second line? They got they got to give Robertson a better look though. Like this yeah. in and out of the lineup, uh, sporadic gameplay. I don't think he's looked bad enough to take him out. To be completely no. honest, I don't know no. what I don't know what what Keith is trying to accomplish here. I don't know if he's trying to get more out of the kid now, so that when he does come in and gets a regular spot, that you know he's earned it. I don't know what his mindset is, but there's, there's absolutely no reason why Nick Robertson should sit over anybody in the bottom six, and possibly Callie Yarncork, who's who's on the wing with Tavares right now. I don't see how any of those seven bodies have outplayed Nick Robertson. You know. I you know what you're going to get from Nick Robertson every game. You're going to get full, full effort. He don't take shifts off. That kid don't. So, and not saying that the others do, but yeah, I, I think you got to give him a chance. Uh, yeah. That's my biggest worry. Like if, if, if the scoring dries up on the top for the top four, top two lines, um, like we're back to the same thing again. But yeah, for anybody who wants the inside take on Nick Robertson, we did a podcast last season with the voice of the Toronto Marlies, Mr. Todd Crocker, and Todd spoke in depth about the level of intensity and the work ethic that uh, Nick Robertson brings to the table day in, day out. When you're in the AHL and and you're, it's a much more close-knit, you know, bus riding, you know, you're, you're, the, the commentators are down mixing it up with the team on the bus. Like, it's, it's a different different lifestyle, right? And Todd got to know Nick really, really well. Um, 
Nick's a special player. Go back and listen to the podcast. It's, it's a good one. Uh, Todd's a great guy anyway. Love Todd. But, uh, but yeah, again, that, that's where that's where we sit. I, I don't like that you throw throw a little bit of negativity in there at a time when uh, when the sun is the sun is shining and people are you know booking their trips to Toronto for the playoffs and the planning the parades and all that kind of stuff. You know, we got to stay a bit grounded here, and there are there are still significant weaknesses on this team, and they will be exploited sooner than later. This is not going to continue. And when it does, the sky will be falling again and there'll be heads rolling and this one needs to be fired and that one needs to be fired and this one needs to be traded and that one needs to be traded. But for now, Leafs fans, it's looking pretty good, right? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. No I complaints. No complaints. I'm back, I'm back to uh, no complaints. But uh, w- one last point on that, on that though. I, I recall back to the year before, I think it was the year before we trade, traded Kadri where we had third line was Kadri, Connor Brown, and Patrick Merlo. And that was supposed to be the difference maker that you knew what our first line was with Matthews, second line with Tavares, any, your top five, top seven teams could probably throw out a line that's going to match that first line you, or, or 10 teams probably could. And then you dwindle down a little bit more. A lot of really good teams probably had a, a second line that could, you could throw over the boards to match up with Tavares, but no one could match up with that third line. And they all sucked that year. And yeah, that's it was why terrible. That's why none of them were around, I think, the following year. Um, They really had a tough year, and that was supposed to be the thing that put us over the top. They couldn't match up that third line because they brought grit, experience, scoring, everything in that line. Speed, agility. Yeah, that was one year we could have went real far, um, but it it just didn't happen. Anyways, it's I bring that up from time to time. But in any ways. And Patty's trying to ruin my day. It's the kind of stuff that he texts me. I know. But no, that's uh, that's 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 well pointed out, and uh, let's hope it doesn't get to that. Because right now, you talk about matching of lines. I don't think there's a team in the league that can match our second line. Not one. No, I've I've, I've actually went to the point of looking to see, you know, scrolling through uh, line line charts and and everything else from different teams around the league, and by you're going to be hard pressed to find a second line that's got the points production. Well, right off the bat, you got two guys, two guys at twenty five points apiece on second line. So. Yeah. You know, um, I don't. I don't know if there's another second line. I got two guys in the top twenty in scoring. I highly doubt it. There's and a lot I, of teams don't that don't have, any, have two guys. I don't have any concern that that's going to end anytime soon. The way that Nylander and Devers have played, um, or or now Murner and Devers, um, like they've been really good from the beginning. If in the dark, dark October, I think we probably went back on that first podcast. We said Devers and Nylander have been have been really good. Um. Like I don't foresee the Leafs going in a, in a rut anytime soon, but no. well, they shouldn't pick up. No, no. Well, again, what it all comes down to is the old injury bug, right? I mean, yeah. we're one, we're one stepping out of puck away from from disaster every game, and everyone knows that. Uh, hopefully, the top four stay healthy, and that's that's we're gonna we're gonna live and die by that. Uh, them four players, we've proven yeah. it because we've survived about as catastrophic a defensive let down here when it comes to health as uh, I never envisioned a situation where four guys would be out four impactful defensemen would be out of this team. We'd still be winning. You take four of the guys out of the forward group, different we're kettle tough. of fish, right? We're, we're, t- we're going to be tough to score. I, and I don't think the talent is there to, to score. Oh, it's not, not even close. Because again, that's not how, the, that's not how the team is constructed, right? That's what no, all comes back. Realistically, to. it probably won't happen. Anyways, it's I have full, it full faith in Dubas. 
Me too. He's he's got my vote of confidence, and I think I'd like to think he's got uh, Shanahan's got his back too. At least I hope so. Yeah. In any case, I think we should knock this one on the head, man. Uh, we've gushed enough. Surely we'll be back with another podcast later, talking about all the things that are going wrong in Leafs Nation and and all those good things. Hopefully, we're not ever we don't get to the point where we're talking about Tank Nation. I don't well, see Kiprios, Kiprios is on Twitter today. God, talking about apparently rumblings that. Matthews could leave like like the guys you're just gonna get it I don't know I don't even know what to say about it why anybody would even bring that chatter up now I know they're only looking for clicks or whatever but um I think we should ban that conversation here until at least next year yeah I mean it's gonna be a conversation clearly although he got his deal done his his, his I mean he was an RFA at the time but he got his deal done really quickly his agent didn't yeah. did, did didn't balls around with it like mariner and, and and nylander did he was just like he was available and then suddenly the deal was signed and it, it didn't even it didn't even hit the media like he didn't even give it a chance yeah. to become an issue and i think that's smart you know keep that a, yeah. you know keep yourself at a spotlight in that regard just play hockey um and i got a funny feeling that when his you know when the season ends this year priority one is going to be getting master matthew's sign now if he wants to leave then yeah, that won't happen. But if there's even the slightest inkling that he wants to stay where he is and play with his friends, because that's what this is. I mean, there's a little family here now, right? Yeah. Um, and having an, an actual chance to win, like he's not going to go anywhere else that has a better chance of winning, because nope. none of those other teams have just nothing's automatic, right? Like Colorado and, wouldn't be able to fit him in. No, and 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 even if they even if they could, it's not it's not there's none of it's a gimme, right? Like what um, team right now has fifteen million dollars? Because that's what he's going to get paid. His cap yeah. is going to be fifteen. What team right now? can fit it in right now or can drop another $15 million or multiple players that add up to $15 million cap and be competitive. It's not a hard contract. I don't care who it is. It's not a, it's not an easy contract. I should say to fit into any team. No, you're right. But I don't, anyways, no. I don't want to talk about it. Cause I, no, I, it, 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 uh, again, Patty always finds a way to ruin my nights. And yeah. here we are again. So on that note, we'll shut her down. If you've enjoyed the podcast guys, uh, normally there's four of us. At least three of us, but tonight just two. We've got uh, we've got one guy who's who's uh, who's working the midnight oil, and we got a young lady who's home. We wish her all the best. She's not doing so hot from a uh, from a sickness perspective. There's some some bad stuff going around. It's not COVID. That's that's hitting our area pretty hard. So she's uh, she's resting up tonight. So hopefully she gives us a listen and uh, we're sending our love to Miss Kylie. Hopefully Flood she's Kylie with uh, Twitter messages. That will uh, that should annoy her, annoy her. Yeah, yeah just just just, just tweet. flood her Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. But uh big shout out of course guys goes first and foremost to the Delaney Hockey Program. Um big news of the Delaney Hockey Program, they actually just opened up their West Coast operation this this week past. So Monday past uh DHP West opened for the first time. Uh, West Coast, New- up- Coast Newfoundland. West Coast Newfoundland, yeah. <laughs> <Not BC>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> West Coast of the Island. So it's a, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, it's a good 10-12 hours between uh, Port of Bass and St. John's, depending on stops and everything else. It's a, it's a half a day's travel. And um, uh, DHP has opened up a, a Western branch out there, headed up by lead instructor Linda Massey. Uh, Linda's pedigree that Linda's got, go back to her hockey resume, is incredible. Talk about that another time because we've got lots of DHP stuff to chat about as the year goes on. Maybe even get Linda on. She'd be an interesting chat, actually. Yeah. Anyway, I may have to message Linda. But uh, they opened up their very first uh, camp over there. They've got, uh, they've got a, a, a group of players come together for a power skating camp that's going to run for four weeks. And, uh, and Linda's heading that up. And 
from what I heard, after I haven't asked around, it was a hit on Monday. The kids loved it, and uh, and so happy for DHP on that front. They're a great group of guys, and uh, certainly deserving of everything that comes their way. So, um, if you're interested in more information on DHP, uh, you go to www.delaneyhockey.ca, and you'll get uh, you'll get all their info there on upcoming camps throughout the year, uh, locally in their Harbor Grace location, as well as things that are coming up. Uh, in their uh, Port of Bass location. Uh, there's rumblings of Christmas tournaments and all kinds of good stuff in, in, in the works. So again, check out www.delaneyhockey.ca. For us, if you've enjoyed the podcast, uh, you can track us down a couple of different ways. So we run video podcasts. If you're watching this uh, through our YouTube feed, we share that to Facebook and everything else, but uh, you can search Deke Snipe Selly on YouTube. You can also uh, search up on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash Deke Snipe uh, most all of our content will be there. Um, audio feeds, audio feeds out the yin yang. Uh, pretty much anywhere you get your podcast now, you can search Deke Snipe Selly. Uh, Spotify is probably our biggest one. Actually, I looked at the analytics. Apple Podcasts is uh, is hot to trot now with uh, Deke Snipe Selly podcast, which is cool. So a lot of our listeners listening on Apple. Uh, we're also on Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, on and on and on. Uh, and by the way, guys, if you if you find a podcast provider that uh, that doesn't have the DSC podcast, let us know. Uh, some click of a mouse, we can probably hook that up for you guys. So, again, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Click like, click subscribe, and, uh, and and give us a share. That never hurts either. There's lots of lots of lots of excited Leafs fans out there who might just like to sit back and gush over their team for once. So, anyway, Patty, that's it for me. Anything from you? Nope, all good. Go Leafs. Go Leafs. Peace out.